This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to Season 2, Episode number 16 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the beautiful Banff, Alberta, and just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham, the Derminator. How's it going tonight, brother? Oh, not too bad tonight, dog. Just a little tired. Had a long day. You know, beautiful fucking weather out. So I got some stairs when I went to hockey tonight, and I walk in in board shorts with a towel over my shoulders and flip-flops on, no socks. (laughs) Board shorts in the middle of February. That's awesome. It's probably, what, like 11 degrees out or something? It was exactly 11 degrees when I walked into the rink, and I got asked by three different people, did you go to the beach today? (laughs) well it sounds about right usually once you hit 11 degrees in canada i think board shorts are (laughs) acceptable right like i yelled at everyone it hit 13 degrees today outside what are you all fucking looking at me like this for yeah 13 and sunny though right oh it was so sunny it was just windier than fuck see that makes a huge difference 13 degrees if it's gray clouds or 13 degrees when it's sunny huge difference especially in southwestern ontario right it's ridiculous what the sun does like it won't really warm the temperature up but it warms the temperature up you know what i mean yeah talk about a weird winter season beyond weird especially out west here like the the amount of snow we haven't got the amount of days that have been plus rather than negative here in Banff it's been a weird one man uh global warming right (laughs) I'm just kidding everyone's all (laughs) fake news what are you talking about it hasn't snowed in six weeks you know what technically we're still in an ice age right now whoa isn't that wild yeah I I wouldn't guess that either anyway how did hockey go tonight um actually it was weird I think our team might have lost. I don't know. One of them, the Van Bokels usually keeps score. They said it was 6-5, and then we went out, scored a few goals. Uh, our line was kind of snake-bitten tonight. We only scored like six or seven goals. Our expected goals had to be like at least 18. <laughs> I expected goals. I love it. Uh, Throwing out the advanced stats. In, in we missed hockey. so many like 
I'm not kidding. Each guy on our line probably had the puck bounce off their stick twice for a backdoor tap in and shit would just hit and skip. And it's like, wow, those are usually in. Sounds like me. Every time I hit the ice three times a year and have no hands and wonder why, uh, why they're not there anymore. Right. Even just the inch dip or inch and a half difference from wearing rollerblades to skates. It's nuts what it does to your hands. It's true. Oh, man, I miss rollerblading. Oh, I miss him. Oh, man. Well, you know what? There's not that much snow. Maybe I'll go for a rip soon once the old knee's feeling uh, 100%. But, Durham, you said you were snake bitten tonight. Sounds a little bit like the Kraken as of lately. Holy shit. Tell me about it. Can somebody score a fucking goal? Yeah, not only that, win a face-off, it seems, too, lately. Holy, I know last episode when we were recording, it was in the middle of that game against the New York Islanders. That was the first game that Bo Horvat was making a presence in that uniform for an actual game. And, uh, yeah, we didn't exactly get our prediction right for this one. No, that did not go well. I mean, I kind of threw out the shutout word for Seattle. I uh, did not expect them to get shut out. Really hoping Jones would help my fantasy team out that week, and he told me to get bent. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it looked exactly like that first game back from a big break where, uh, you know, it looked like sand was stuck in the skates and. They didn't really have the energy to bring it in this one. And uh, unfortunately, the Islanders took it to them with a 4 nothing victory against the Kraken. And, you know, they didn't really have much opportunity either on the power play, just 0 for 1. So uh, just everything that could go wrong in this game for the Kraken basically went wrong. And they just did not have the energy uh, to match the Islanders' energy. Yeah, especially, like you said, at the end of a big break there and the Islanders coming out of the break get the big energy boost of, acquiring Bo Horvat, you had to know they were going to be fucking ready to go. And it certainly makes a difference, right? Like when your team acquires a big piece like that, like that team is fired up for that game. And unfortunately it happened twice to the Kraken this week and uh, it did not go their way both times. Yeah. Talk about like Tarasenko having an impact on the Rangers. I know that's a couple games later, but holy shit. I know it was just wild. So Moving into that next matchup, though, a 3-1 loss through the New Jersey Devils. Grubauer getting put in net. Uh, he stops 24 of 26. And I really, really liked the way the Kraken looked, especially early on. I mean, a two-on-one chance where Mackenzie Blackwood kicks one out. Could have been one nothing early. And then throughout the whole first period, I mean, the pace of play was incredibly high from both teams, but the Kraken were pouring on the chances in the first period and uh, and a big part of that second period as well. And if it wasn't for Mackenzie Blackwood's outstanding play early on in this game, the Kraken probably should have been up by a couple goals at least. Yeah, you get Blackwood who stood on his head and you know had one of the best games he's had since coming back from that injury, and honestly, this year. But also you get that 30-second breakdown right after the Larson goal where I think it's 17 seconds later we Borgen gets a penalty and then right after that Hamilton on the power play so it's almost like it erases the momentum that we had built on that goal yeah certainly and you know it was a lucky goal to begin with for Larson too just a, a simple wrister on net finds its way I mean even before that they had the the five on three chance where Dougie Hamilton was, you know, in the box there and 
you know, he took a couple penalties early on in the game and gave the Kraken opportunities to, you know, really, really take a hold of the hockey game. And they just weren't able to do it. And like you said, it, it really bit them in the ass uh, by the end of it because Dougie Hamilton would be the one to score that next goal for the, the New Jersey Devils to tie it on the power play not just there, but then he'd get the next one after that also on the power play as well in a period where the Kraken had four straight power plays, right? Yeah, exactly. Four straight power plays. You can't get it done. Then you you give up the two power play goals. And again, once again, Dougie Hamilton with a big shot scores one on the power play. And, uh, you know, that, that was pretty much the story of this one. And we kind of expected a bit of a, maybe a low scoring affair considering both teams uh, leading scorers were out in this game. No Jack Hughes for the devils, no Burakovsky for the Kraken, And uh, it kind of felt that way with uh, the low scoring game. Yeah. And a game Jeff Merrick loves. And I only remember this because I just listened to 32 thoughts at every goal in this game was scored by a defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. Which you don't see too often. And like we talked about last pod, I mean, uh, yeah, Jack Hughes was on fire, but Dougie Hamilton was the hottest player coming into the hockey game, and he showed exactly why. He's, you know, being able to score back-to-back goals like that on the power play as a defenseman, you don't see that too often. No, and I think it was with his second goal, he became the fastest Devils defenseman to hit 50 points in a season in terms of yeah. game played. Who was it he passed there? Was it Rafalski? I think so, yeah. He Ooh. was good too, eh? Oh, he was a player back in the day. I mean, maybe not the huge offensive guy, but what a two-way defensive stud. He was a big part of uh, some of those big teams, especially that cup-winning team, right, back in 03. He was underrated offensively, I thought, because if, like, when it first, when as a fan, when I first watched him and was like, who the fuck? The 2010 Olympics, when he's running the power play for the States, like, who the hell's this guy causing Canada trouble back there? Brian Rafalski, who the hell's he? Yeah, no kidding. I definitely agree. He was he was underrated. Uh and, and probably yeah, probably just underappreciated at times for for an NHL defenseman and what he was able to do for that New Jersey Devils team for a lot of years, too. Very consistent player. I agree. Just a all around great. Not great, but all around good. Mm-hmm. And so those two past games, I mean, the Kraken only scoring the one goal, which uh, barely snake bitten. And then the very next night having to face off against the New York Rangers, one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, and then acquiring Tarasenko making his debut. This was another really tough situation for the Kraken to be in. Yeah. And funny. Well, I don't know if it's funny considering they ended up kicking the shit out of Seattle. But a little bit of a backstory there in the Tarasenko-Panarin relationship is I did not know they were that tight that apparently when Panarin was trying to come over to the NHL and there was the big sweepstakes signing him, right? Mm-hmm. Tarasenko apparently like begged St. Louis to sign Panarin and they eventually yeah. looked at him and said he's too small. What a mistake. And I heard Tarasenko was very pissed about that because I think I think he was telling them like that whole year leading up to him uh, or not the whole year, maybe like half the year, but leading up to him, you know, potentially coming over to the NHL, he was pushing and pushing, just like you said, to get to get that guy on the St. Louis Blues. So 
Uh, yeah, talk about a bit of an L there uh, for the St. Louis management. Right? Like, how do you not watch the first two games where Tarasenko and Panarin were line mates, where I think they can they scored a combined, like, seven goals in two games between the two of them? Yeah. And not just, be like, uh, hmm, that would have been good in St. Louis. No kidding, eh? Um, and then, yeah, just like just like we were talking about, of course, those two team up for the game's first goal less than three minutes into this hockey game. Yeah, just a nice passing play to Tarasenko at the back there, and that was going to be really all the Rangers would need because they'd fire from that one. Kapokako is going to get his 10th of the year shortly after that one, and 10 minutes after his, Trocek's going to get going with his 15th. Yeah, they were just pouring it on, and, and some of these goals too, they just almost just seemed like the pucks were bouncing for the Rangers all first period. And, uh, it just, it just looked like a, just a bit of a slaughter and it really put the Kraken into a hole for the rest of the game. I mean, anytime you're, you're down three, nothing heading into the second. And then not only that, you give up another power play goal and it's four, nothing. It's that's a very tough game to try to get back into. And four nothing with thirty nine minutes left too. So at least you can try and say like, hey, we're a couple shots from making it a game, but even then you're still a couple shots from tying the game. So it's yeah, really no kidding. To get going. Yeah, big time. I mean, Bjorkstrand, credit to him. He throws a nice wrister and and gets the Kraken on the board in that second period, popping his tenth of the season. And uh, you head into that third period. You know, only down by three. Maybe it's not impossible, but uh, once again, you you let one up on the power play and give credit to the Rangers there. A nice, pretty passing play. I mean, the no-look pass from Kreider to hit Zabinijad backdoor in the open net. I mean, once they scored that one, 5-1, you pretty much were like, yep, this one's, this one's a goner. Yeah, I mean, you get a couple... You can almost call them, I know it's only a few minutes later, but you could say they're garbage time goals because really, like you said, this game's over at 5-1. McCann gets his 24th on the power play. Tanev will get his 10th of the year, make it 5-3 with 14 minutes left, 13 and a half. So you think, maybe we do have a game? No. Ryan Lindgren's going to get his first of the season, shorthanded no less, and that's going to just kill it. Yeah, uh, unfortunate again, and and this has just been the story as of lately for the for the Kraken. Haven't really been there offensively, and then you you run into a a really hot Rangers team who's been an offensive juggernaut and really found their game as of lately and l- looking pretty dangerous now heading into the final stretch. Right, like Carolina has been fantastic. I'm a big Metro guy, anyways. Obviously, with being a Pittsburgh fan, Metro Carolina's looked fantastic. The Rangers, yep. like you said, since getting Tarasenko, it's like, well, who wants to fucking play them? I think New the Jersey's Devils probably are probably going to get Meyer. I think I think they're eleven one and one in their last thirteen games now. Too, they're they're streaking in all the right directions. Right, like the top three in the Metro is just a juggernaut. Yeah, it's gonna make for a th- this year's first round playoffs is just gonna be insane, bro. Yeah, this year, I think especially, I mean, assuming everything keeps going the way it's projecting, it's going to be a hell of a two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a lot of crazy, hard-fought series, and we'll, we'll see some teams looking pretty beat up heading to that second round. Love it. Um, hopping back in though, finally the Kraken getting a win on the board. They head into Philly and put up a four, three W 
Grubauer in net for this one stops 15 of 18 and pretty happy to see Grubauer uh, able to get the W up on the board. Also, shout out to the Kraken. This is the only game out of the five we're going to review where they got more than 46% on the faceoff. Yeah, and that's been consistently bad. And I know we'll get into it a bit more maybe next podcast where um, the you know the trade deadline is is pretty dang close, and uh, the rumors are really picking up, and moves are actually happening. Um, but uh, you, you know, it sounds like they are trying to target a centerman who who brings a lot better faceoff percentage than the ones they currently have. Honestly, can you get worse? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Can you, are they 32nd in the NHL right now? Find out next week on keeping up with the Kraken. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. We'll keep it a little surprise, baby. But uh, let's hop back into the review of this, this game against the Flyers because uh, it didn't start off uh, too, too well for them. No, for the third time in four games of that week, they're going to give up the first goal of the game. Tough luck. Yeah, and uh, an early, early, early power play goal for the the Flyers in this one. Owen Tippett banging home his 15th of the season already. Good for third on the Flyers, eh? Yeah, that's a, that's a player who's going to score a lot of goals for this Flyers team going forward. I mean, uh, maybe taking him a little bit to get comfortable into the league, but uh, it looks like he's, he's really found his groove. Yeah, he's always kind of been that sturdy stocky power forward with just a gro- like really really Gross good release, shot right i was yes. kind of stuck at good and great and i was like i don't know if it's great but it was back in junior stuck between good and great we're going with gross i've baby. done that a couple times tonight <laughs> stuck yeah. between words i it, it happens when you've had a long day but Dash uh, three. nonetheless Nonetheless, Jordan Everly finally getting back on the board. It's been a while for him since he's found the score sheet and a nice two-on-one from a turnover from the Flyers. And uh, credit to Jordan Everly too for you know receiving that puck and just taking that extra second to let the goalie come across. And, and uh, that kind of allowed that top of the net to open up. And uh, he made no mistake, he wired that top shelf. Yeah, just absolutely pistered it right up there. Nice pass from McCann, like you said, in the two-on-one. McCann kind of going for his uh, double goals to assists ratio this year, eh? Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, you love to see it. Uh, and then the Kraken kept responding to another awful turnover from the Flyers, and the Kraken are able to take advantage, and Tolvanen does what Tolvanen did what Tolvanen does best, and that's sniping another one. Right, he gets his 11th of the year, three minutes left in the period. It's nice to be scoring the late goals going into the second period here instead of giving them up. Exactly. And, uh, you know, early on too, in the second, uh, again, they're giving up another goal. This one from an Owen Tippett shot, a uh, nice save from Grubauer, but James Van Riemsdyk with a sneaky little play to bat it out of midair and pop hoping his ninth of the season. That's a tough one to stop for any goal. You make that initial save, it goes off your shoulder and, uh, you barely have any time to react to that rebound. And Van Riemsdyk's just able to whack it out of midair and, uh, tie the game up yeah stupid jvr whatever that's okay though because our own guy that starts with jay that's Jaden schwartz is gonna get his 11th of the season on a nice play from eberly and wenberg there late in the second period and it's gonna okay. be 3-2 seattle 
again, another opportunity where he just has that time in the slot and snaps it top shelf. That was a beauty. Yeah, just sending it past. They've obviously done some done some pre scouting, and they're looking top shelf here. Yeah, and he wasn't done there, right? The start of the third period, just a minute in, and guess who? Jaden Schwartz, baby, number twelve. He's like a minute left. Better do it again a minute in. Let's have two goals. And you know what? We all know how it happened here. That's going to end up being the game winner, even though they give up another shorthanded goal late in the game. This time, Patrick Brown. Yeah, a bit of a fluky one. He kind of almost makes a self-pass off the far boards and one times it off the boards too by the time he gets there. And you could kind of see on the play, it looked like Vince Dunn was a little bit in the way of Grubauer there, kind of screened him on that shot. And you could tell by the reaction of Grubauer, the way he looked over at, at Vince Dunn, thinking like, just let me have that one, bro. Just let me play net, dude. And um, interesting final kind of minute of play here. Matty Beneers just, you know, chance after chance to sink it into an empty netter. And he, I think he went 0 for 3 on attempts. And, you know, because of that, ends up in the very final second of the game, taking a big shot block. Looked like it hit him right on the inside of the leg, right by the knee area. He went down. That was a bit of a scary play there. Yeah, you hope he's all right and, you know, obviously not just going to have something that lingers the rest of the season because he's going to be a big part of this team trying to make playoffs. Exactly, and uh, that's kind of what it seemed like. He said that, you know, he couldn't feel his leg. It went completely numb on him, but, you know, after a day's rest, he said most of that pain was gone. So uh, by the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like anything long-term, and and that's great news for the Kraken because that's the last thing they need is is for Matty Beneers to be going down with an injury. And it obviously couldn't have been that long-term considering he would play the next game against the Jets. Exactly, on Valentine's Day, baby. What a better day to have hockey. Is there a better day? The thing you love the most? Why not have it on the day of love? Well, let's be honest. Anyone that has Valentine's Day be important in their life, they're not getting to stay home and watch hockey. Most likely. Most likely. That's why I was able to watch this full game, baby. I could have, but I still didn't. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but it was a really good game, honestly. And uh, Grubauer back in net for this one, and rightfully so because uh, you know he's kind of starting to take take things over. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But this first period, man, it was super fast paced, kind of similar to the New Jersey game. But I thought it was even faster. I mean, this Jets team can play super fast; they transition so well. But the Kraken did a really good job of keeping that pace up with them. Yeah, it was honestly just, like you said, a great game. I mean, fortunately, you know, kind of a tough bounce here and there. But like you said, honestly, just a good one. I mean, you get to the extra or late in the game like that and then go to the shootout and fucking anything can happen. Fuck shootouts. Yeah, I know. Fuck shootouts is exactly right. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Things kind of took a turn, too, in that second period. It seemed like uh, Winnipeg really took over the game. And, uh, you know, lucky enough, though, the Kraken caught out of that second period up to one. John Hayden was the first goal scorer for the Kraken, too, in this one. Getting his second of the year after getting put back in on the, the fourth line. You know, Daniel Sprong getting sad and John Hayden getting a, an opportunity to go in there. And once again, he scores on his birthday, too, Durham. Born on Valentine's Day. Oh, you got to love it. 
Yeah, I'm sure he does love it, baby. And not only that, but Jared McCann, too, is able to pop goal number 25 on the year just seconds before the end of the period, just on the power play. And, and uh, you know, for a, for a period where it looked like the Winnipeg Jets dominated most of that second period, uh, that was really nice to see uh, the Kraken kind of come out with the lead. And, and it's all thanks to Grubauer's play. Yeah, to be able to carry that into the third period and not just be like, hey, guys, we have a chance in the game, but we have a chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in a, like you said, in a large part, the Grubauer there. But yeah, a unfortunately, big he couldn't close out the final 20 by himself, and Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to get his 23rd of the season about halfway through the period there. And then once again, it was it was just the Grubauer show from there on out. I mean, Winnipeg poured it on. For the end of the third period, they poured it on in overtime and Grubauer just wasn't going to give up and, and let anything soft past him. And like we said, fuck the shootout, goes to a shootout. And unfortunately, it just didn't go the Kraken's way in the skills comp. Yeah, I mean, you can't win them all in the shootout, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, no doubt in my mind, the star in this one was Philip Grubauer's play. He was just phenomenal. And, and uh, yeah, you can't say more about him. Well, he had to be fantastic, even in a loss, right, to get first star of the game. Exactly, and uh, rightfully so deserved it. I would agree. Kraken fans, this time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. Kind of like me thinking I can go a whole year without eating bread, let alone a whole month. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest changes can be a big part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Since I've gotten my Raycons, I've been using them every time I go for a walk, go hit up the gym and pump some reps, or even just chilling out, watching some Netflix on my laptop. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last you all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products, and you can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee, noise isolation, awareness mode, crystal clear quality, and tons more. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Durham, let's take a look at the next three matches for the Seattle Kraken and starting things off they're back at home now after like we were just talking about a bit of a rough stretch there on the road where they were struggling to find goals they didn't put up much wins they got the one win but that was about it this week coming up now has a big opportunity to get some points back on the board and uh, get this team back in the right direction here 
Yeah, after last week taking three losses in a row there, and not just three losses, but three regulation ones, you really got to take these next three games against weaker teams, and you got to come out with at least four points. I think it's going to be yeah, tough after having do. just playing Philly. So, like, I always kind of go with the rule of it's tough to beat a team twice in a row if you're playing them within a week. It always seems like that, right? Like anytime, especially if you, you're coming off a win, it, that other team is going to push hard. But, uh, you know, this is a, a pretty mediocre Philly, Philadelphia Flyers team. What are they, just 22, 23, and 10 right now? So an opportunity for sure to try to take both wins here. Yeah, you should be able to take the second of the set here in or at yeah, in Seattle against Philadelphia. Holy shit, Alec, get it together. Oh, don't worry about it. You can fumble your way through this one. <laughs> I'm all good. But, uh, yeah, I expect a lot of the same. I mean, Philly, they really struggled even at home. They seem like they, um, you know, they struggled just against the speed of Seattle. And and because of that, Seattle, even though they were in a bit of a goal-scoring drought, were able to capitalize on those turnovers. So, um, let's see if we see some of those similarities heading into this game. Yeah, if you're looking for a week to try and get your goal scoring game back on track, this is it. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, back into the Saturday matchup, February 18th, going to be facing off against Detroit. And this is the first time these two teams are going to be meeting this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, first time taking on the Red Wings, looking to get into the playoffs since. When the fuck was the last time they were in the playoffs? Was it 2015? I think it was 2015, yeah. I think they played uh, They played Tampa. I think they played them like back-to-back seasons, 2014 and 2015. Wait, Detroit's never been in the playoffs since McDavid entered the league? That could, yeah, that could be true. Whoa. Yeah, I don't think 2016 rings a bell to me. It could For some have been reason, 2017 year. stuck, but I was like, no, they were. they had a high pick in 17. Yeah, I remember. Mason, I think. Yeah, that was like, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And he was what, like tenth overall or something? Yep. Oh, yeah, nailed it. I think I yeah, think dead that, on ten. Good. Call. That was the that was the Carlson run that year with uh, when they played Boston first round and all that. So, and then uh, I think it was the Rangers versus Montreal first round. I don't know. Something like that. Anyways, I know Detroit wasn't in at 2017. 2016, I'm not too sure. 2015, I want to say, is the year. Um, but they're not going to be sense. too far off. I mean, this is a team who's starting to put all those things together and their their young studs are, are playing and, and looking pretty impressive as of late. Yeah, I mean, especially look at Moritz Sider, right? Like he had a, let's be honest, he had a pretty poor start to the year. The first couple months there, he wasn't really doing great. Big minus, really poor start up he and larkin lead the team in points so far in 2023 cider's actually a point a game with 16 points in 16 games so yeah look that, out that, for that is that is impressive considering the start he had yeah that's a big bounce back for Moritz cider and you kind of wonder like what, what was going on in the first half of the season but he's he's definitely found his game and god damn it that guy's a truck there's a lot of uh, fancy stats people that notice his underlying analytics got significantly better when they stopped playing him with Ben Chirot. Oh, yeah, that's right. That <laughs> that pairing was not good for them. I think they put him with Jake Wallman, and then all of a sudden they're like, holy fuck, we're good again. 
we know how to hockey. <laughs> yeah, so no look kidding. Out for that D pair, unless Wallman if, gets traded. And if I, yeah, that's true. If I remember correctly, when they played him last year, I believe both matchups went uh, went the distance, went into overtime. I think they won one of them, lost one of them. Either way, I just remember them being really exciting games against Detroit. So, uh, you know, hopefully we have a nice, good battle like that again, and and it's an exciting Saturday night matchup. I didn't know the other game went to over. Like, I didn't know the win went to overtime, but I did know their 1-0-1 against Detroit, and both games were 3-2. Yeah, I could be. So I you're probably be bang on with that. We could. I just remember him being, real, yeah, real tight games against against Detroit last year. They were fun games too. Uh, very exciting, uh, fast paced games. And this is a Detroit team. Yeah, they're you know they're on the up and coming. They got a lot of good good young players, and they still have a ton in their system that uh, are going to make an impact in the next few years for sure. Yeah, they're definitely like they're pushing for a playoff spot, but they're not there yet. Next yeah, year, not maybe? quite year, yeah. years from now I, for sure, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so that'll be a nice, exciting one. And again, another opportunity to get points up on the board at home. And then you go into the next matchup, Monday, February 20th, still at home against the San Jose Sharks. And this is the first matchup they've played against the uh, division rivals, the San Jose Sharks, since that crazy 8-5 to five win back in November, Durham. What a shootout that was, right? And that was right around the uh, LA game as well, where they scored nine. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that was just insane. I think most of the goals came in the first half of the game too. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was just crazy. There were goals everywhere. Uh, But again, this is another opportunity that you have to secure two points in this matchup. Yeah. Especially against a struggling sharks team. Like, What's their record? 17, 27, and 11. Like, if you don't put goals on the board against this team and get two points, you're going to have a bag skate the next day. It's just it's just how it works. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, you know, they have a player right now on their team who is uh, having a pretty insane season. Yeah, have you, have you heard of him? Uh, What's his name hey. again? Eric Carlson, King Carl, I believe they call him. Carlson? Who's that guy? I don't know, man. What a season he's having. I mean, obviously a career year as of uh, the pace he's on right now. 73 points in 55 games. He's an assist per game right now. Still has 18 tucks on the year. And for a San Jose team who, like you just said, 17, 27, and 11, struggling quite hard this season this guy's only a minus two and one of the league leaders not only in points but even strength points yeah that's what's the interesting one for me is he's just dominating an even strength like 54 even strength points his even strength points alone would still lead san jose that's fucking crazy that is like he's he's an even strength point per game player on this team as a a terrible team yeah which makes sense why uh, this would be a fantastic opportunity for uh, Mike Greer to to move on from Carlson. I think why not, you know, with the contract he has right now, which makes it difficult to trade because let's be honest, there's not a lot of teams uh, who are competing right now who can take on a $11.5 million contract. 
But this is a great opportunity in a career season to do your best to still acquire some pretty nice assets moving a contract like that. You're not going to have a better opportunity to trade Eric Carlson's contract than you do right now. 100% guarantee. And the big question is, where is he going? Everyone wants to say Edmonton, but I don't know. If that happens, you have to think it's because McDavid said, look, I'm fucking sick of this. Do something. The rumor is that the they like the top players in Edmonton went to management and told them, get us a puck moving D. Get us somebody who can make plays out of our zone instead of uh, you know, shooting the puck off the glass and out kind of thing. So that's why there's a lot of uh, rumors swirling around this Carlson deal, and that, that's why they're circling back to it. And, I mean, if you're not able to make that that happen, I think they're looking at a Chikrin or a Shane Goss's bear, somebody who can skate the puck out or make that first pass that's a really nice pass. And if I'm being honest, I mean, that sounds like a really fun team to watch when you acquire Carlson and just think about like what that power play and the goal scoring. But I do think that a guy like Chikrin, who has more of a physical presence and maybe a bit better on the D side, would be the better fit for that team. I do too. I don't know why it's taking so long for them to make that deal. Like he doesn't suck defense. He's actually really fucking good on the boards, Chikrin. And he can skate the puck out or pass it out, but the puck gets out. Like all he needs is good forwards to surround him with and just let him play his game. And I think he'd be fine. I think he has the opportunity to explode too under a real good team. And the fact that he's still got multiple years left at a 4.3 cap hit is, is very enticing and pretty surprised. No one's pulled the trigger on him yet. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, especially with them sitting him out for trade related reasons. The fuck's that just trade him. Just trade him. I mean, he played every other game before he traded him. Like just, just fucking, Either play him or trade him. I, I hate that, the sitting out. Like, yes, protect your assets, but, like, come on. get Make the deal happen. Especially when they're saying, oh, yeah, there's nothing close. We just know he's probably going to get hurt, so we're holding on to him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, Durham, prediction, you got four out of six points coming this week? Four to six points. I like it. And I think they find that offensive groove being back at home. I think this team's going to play with a bit of a, f- a fire lit under their, their arses coming up in these three game, three matchups. So I expect some goals on the board. That'd be nice to see. Get, get the damn burst in again. Exactly. Um, Durham quickly here. Let's just talk about uh, the goaltending situation in uh, Seattle right now, because it's looking like the German gentleman is back in form. Do you want to make a trade for Jones? I've been trying to ship him to anybody in our fantasy, fantasy league. (laughs) Have you? Yeah. (laughs) I've spent the last two days sending like 18 trades. You you might have to add a sweetener, maybe a Valerie Nishushkin or something, but (laughs) you know, he was in the one trade offer and it got rejected. He's uh, I looked at his stats. He's kind of disappeared a bit. He's not doing well. I don't know. The last few games he's doing shots, good. It's, shots, a uh, couple points in like the last five, but I, that's it. Uh, yeah, that is it. But Colorado is just injury prone right now. I think Eric Johnson just is out multiple weeks too now. So um, 
Yeah, they might not even make playoffs. That's crazy. That's crazy to think just because of all the injuries they've had to go through. But jumping back into this one, yeah, I think the Tives have turned a net for the Kraken here. I think so too. Like watching Grubauer, he's played fantastic through January till now. He's had some of his best games, I think, as a Kraken, not just this year. But like we said, the team's just been struggling to score. Yeah, and it just seems to happen more frequently when he's between the pipes too, which is just unfortunate uh, for Grubauer, who's absolutely battling in these games and his team just hasn't been there for him. And, you know, it wasn't the prettiest start for Grubauer. You know, he had a couple shaky games to start off and then he, you know, takes the injury and he's out for a bit and, you know, he comes back and it, it takes him a little bit to find his form. But like you said, ever since the new year, He's he's just looked phenomenal in that. Yeah, I mean, like you have or like you've said, five of his seven best performance statistically have come in the last month. Yep, like, that's just fucking bringing it when you need to be bringing it right down the stretch here, baby. Exactly. He hasn't let in more than three goals in a game since December sixteenth. He there was one game where against Edmonton, he he let in three on what it was like six shots whatever he gets pulled in that one but the fact is still the fact here and not only that he's averaging you know a 924 save percentage since the start of the new year as well which uh puts him right up there for you know that top 10 top 10 goalie in the league uh during that time period so uh this is a whole new looking Grubauer and he looks motivated to get back to where you know he wants to be as a goaltender well, I'm sure it's a good motivation too when you come like you come back from injury and let's be honest, going into the year, he was hands down the number one. Him yeah. and Jones. And now you come back from injury and Jones is like third in the league and wins and they're like, Hey, we're not really gonna just give you your fucking net back. The guy's third in the league and wins. Like it's something's working. Yeah, no kidding. And uh you, you know, he just has to go out there and prove it. And and it makes you think not only uh, now that he's found his game and, and I think going forward, he's the guy you have to run with and it makes sense, right? With the big contract he has with the amount of years, you need this guy to be the number one for this team. So it's really good to see, especially, you know, as we get closer to that playoff push and, and hopefully get into the playoffs, you're going to want Grubauer in top form. And he certainly looked that way as of lately. And not only that, but with, you know, the emergence of Chris Dreger back, uh, you know, practicing and traveling with the team, it makes you think, is there going to be a move where you ship Jones out to another team after everything he's done? I don't know. Just with the injury history of this team, would you feel comfortable sending Jones out? And then three weeks before playoffs, one of the goalies gets hurt again. It's certainly a risk, right? It's certainly a, a big risk you would take. But like then said, the other risk. option is, do you carry three goalies the rest of the year or do you lose them on waivers? Exactly. Because uh, if you put a guy like Jones on waivers, he's he's most likely getting claimed up by somebody. Yeah, I can think of a couple teams that might need a goalie right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out within basically the next two weeks here, right before, I think we only have two weeks left until the trade deadline. I think it's on March 3rd. You would be correct, sir. But nonetheless, great to have the German gentleman back, baby. Oh, yeah, just bringing it. 
NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Durham, I think it's time to talk about the Squid Squad, baby. I know we mentioned that at the end of last pod. And, uh, you know, some of these prospects that the Kraken have have been performing quite well as of recently. So uh, let's dive right into it, baby. Yeah, there's been some good prospects performing well lately. And, I mean, obviously we're not going to touch on uh, all of them because, like we said, there's more than, like, seven. I can't really count to eight. So we're going to go through the guys going that good. (laughs) Yeah, they're starting to build up the prospects, right? Now that uh, we're a couple drafts in here. Yeah, they're starting to get some, well, not just some prospects, but some good ones too. And some depth. But uh, yeah, who do you got first here? Here we got uh, Riker Evans, you know, our uh, pretty much lone rookie D in the A. And uh, what has Riker Evans been doing as of lately? Well, lately, he you would find him second on the team in D points, just three points behind first. And then if you want to look across the AHL, rookie D scoring, you're going to find him second. And that's while on a team that's having a hell of a season and looks poised for a deep playoff run. So that's just fantastic. Yeah, that Coachella Valley Firebirds team is freaking stacked and they're playing so damn well this year. And uh, to do that as you, you know, your, your inaugural season in the AHL is, is pretty fantastic. And uh, Riker, yeah, Riker Evans has been a big part of that. And especially doing that as a rookie defenseman in the AHL, you know, 26 points in 41 games right now. And, uh, you know, a plus 21 too, like uh, everything that you'd want for a rookie defenseman, he's out there bringing it. And uh, it's not going to be long before this guy's making a presence in the show. I do think the one thing you'd like to see from him more, if he's going to make himself an offensive threat, he's got to shoot the puck a bit. You're like only having 58 shots on net through 41 games. Like you're getting 1.2 shots on net a game. That's something you kind of got to up a little bit because you want to make yourself an offensive threat, not just to look like a passer all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, I, I like that. And, you know, hopefully he keeps pouring that on. Do you think he could make the jump next year into the NHL or do you think maybe one more year of conditioning uh, down in the AHL is going to, going to really help his, his development? I think he'll see a couple of games in the NHL, but I think it'd be way better for him to get a full year of like, you are the guy in Coachella. Mm-hmm. And that makes ex- exact sense, like why we haven't seen him called up in any games yet this year, right? Uh, no, there's no reason to want to to push that development and and put him in a situation yet when uh, you know he's just he's just getting his feet wet into pro hockey here. 
Exactly. You don't want to feel like you're rushing him in anything. And like you said, it's his first year in pro hockey. So just let him get adjusted to everything. It's a very different game from junior. It, it really is. And, uh, you know, excited to see what happens uh, with a deep playoff run and, and what kind of presence he can have on that uh, Firebirds team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens come playoff time. BA is always a little bit different because of the different divisions and the super travel and all that shit, right? It is, yeah, and the first round is what best of five, too, right? Yes, sir. So, fuck, anything can happen. Anything can happen that first Montreal round. Montreal beat AHL. Pittsburgh for fuck's sake in a best of five, and then they went to the <laughs> Cup Finals. Yeah, that, that's crazy. That's crazy, dog. You know what pissed me off about that? Games. That was just the Carey Price show. I know is going into that series because that's back when I worked at Pal. Everyone was talking about it, and my, the one girl that worked there, her son is a huge Carey Price fan, and she's like, oh, it's going to be a great series. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's going to be a good series for Montreal because everyone's all like, oh, Carey Price is too old to win a series for Montreal. And I'm like, as a Penguins fan, that's the last fucking thing I want Carey Price to see on the internet because what yeah. did he do? Won a fucking series for Montreal, and then they're like, hey, we're not terrible if Carey Price is going to go God mode and Shea yeah. Weber is going to kill two people a series. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, not he, he probably won a couple of series uh, just off his back, the, the Price show during that playoff run, which was just came out of nowhere. That game five that was against Pittsburgh, it was on Crosby's birthday, and I fucking called into work. I'm like, yeah, I'm not coming today. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you could – I was talking to one of the people that I kind of trusted there and I'm like, yeah, you can tell them I'm sick, but game five's at 1230. I ain't fucking going to work. I'm sick. <laughs> I went to work the on Monday because it was a Friday. I went in on Monday and the one girl who I didn't like talk to, she goes, you fucking asshole. You were not sick. <laughs> I'm like, I was sick of watching my team throw their fucking season away. <laughs> uh fair enough you know what it's a you you do it for the for the sport sometimes that that's basically it was a basically a game seven so what do you you call it some people don't get it no (laughs) all right moving on who's the next prospect here next up we got yanni neiman over in daliga yeah, and this is a guy we've talked about multiple times now on this podcast and uh, still making a huge presence playing pro hockey in the in Finland, baby. Yeah, over for Ilves? Ilves? I think it's Ilves. Whatever. Anyways, 28 games played in the league as an 18-year-old. That's pretty damn good. 10 goals, 14 assists. I mean, obviously, or 14 points, sorry, not 14 assists. Four assists only. Obviously, since the last time we talked about him, I think he had 10 goals, so he's been in a bit of a rut there. But I'm pretty sure his team also brought in a couple of extra guys because he's been bumped down kind of to the third line there. And he's got eight or or nine or ten guys ahead of him for forward scoring. But still, like, he's top ten in uh, points and goals on the team and still top five in the Liga for under 20 goals and points. So that's what you really want to look forward to. Yeah. And a late birthday, this guy's got all the time to continue cooking and developing. I mean, he's still 18 years old. He's already got the world juniors too under his belt. And, uh, I mean, as a 19 year old next season, I think he's going to have a big presence in the AHL. 
Is he going to come over or is he going to stay over there for one more year? That is my prediction. I think I think they might push to get this guy into the AHL. I think, you know, after one year of pro hockey, I think he's going to be ready to make that jump to the AHL. That's going to be my prediction anyways. He certainly has the frame to be playing as, you know, 6'3", 216 pounds. Uh, you got to like what you see there. Yeah, plus getting him over and getting him accustomed to the North American style because he's probably like, two maybe three years from being a kraken right so might as well get him accustomed as sooner sooner as you can exactly exactly and he's already somebody who they have oh wait i was gonna say they have signed but he is not signed yet is he i don't think so no i don't think so not yet but uh, i wouldn't be surprised if that's a move that happens this offseason getting him onto an entry-level deal yeah, that's definitely one that's going to be on the market this, or on the to-do list this summer. Yeah. Um, okay, who's next? Next up on the Squid Squad, we're going over to the QMJHL for our lone guy, Jacob Melanson, who is fucking killing it in that league since he was traded to Sherbrooke, one of also the best teams in the league in the QMJHL. And he's eighth in points in the league and third in goals. Man can put the puck in the net. Yeah, he's having a another fantastic year. This is a bit of a breakout season for the guy. And uh, if you you know you go back to their very first draft in 2021, this was this was a fifth rounder, so 131st overall by the Seattle Kraken. And like you said, he is certainly making a presence in the queue this year. Yeah, he's actually tied for second in goals with Jordan Dumay. So let's bump him up there. He's no longer third, tied second. That sounds way better, anyways. And like you said, this is kind of what you look for in your mid-late round picks. You want them to boom in their 19, 20-year-old seasons so that they've got that confidence and might have maybe a little bit more of an offensive touch when they come into pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's yeah, see if he's got that next season when he comes into Coachella. Exactly. I was just going to say, this is another prospect who you're looking to, you know, hopefully he makes that jump into the AHL. They're going to be filled with some young prospects by the look of it, the Firebirds. So it's going to be a really exciting team to even follow next season when you could watch some of the progression of these young guys. And and uh, this is another guy who could put the puck back, puck in the back of the net, uh, you know, just like Yanni Neiman there, uh, you know, on pace for 52 goals and 59 games this season in the QGMJHL. QMJHL, did I just say that right? I think so. I said it too fast for myself. <laughs> You said process. it too fast for me to know if you said it wrong. Uh, but yeah, this is another exciting and it's good to, to see that progress. I mean, last season, what did he have? 35 goals and 54 games. Now he's already jumping up to almost a hundred point pace season here and, and a 50 plus goal season. So uh, the progressions there and, and that's exactly what you want out of a fifth round pick. And when you're basically a goal a game on two different teams in the same league, it's, no matter like what you're doing, it's working. Exactly. It's showing that, that you have that capabilities. Um, Durham, who do we got next? Well, now we're going to bump over all the way to the other coast, and we're going to hit the WHL, and we're going to go to the Furcus Circus, baby. Ye- Jagger Furcus. Dude, the Mc, 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 Mc Jagger Furcus, baby. Oh, he's got the some of the sickest flow and and one of the coolest names out there. So uh, how's he been doing? 
Uh, he's been doing pretty good. His team's kind of shit, so whatever. But he's leading that team in points, and he's 12th in the entire league. The only thing is, unfortunately, they play in Winnipeg's division, so they're probably going to get fucked in playoffs. Yeah, that's tough. Winnipeg's a wagon. And uh, would they be the same division as Seattle? No. I, I'm, they're a different I, one. I dropped that. I dropped the ball on that one. They're like that's the okay. east of the west. That would be correct, yes. Should have known that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Winnipeg's stacked, right? Stacked to the oh. brins. But uh, another guy who, yeah, like you said, he's he's putting points on the board. And, you know, they've drafted a lot of good prospects who are able to put the puck in the back of the net. And he's on pace for, uh, you know, the same amount he had the year before, uh, almost identical. I mean, last year he had 80 points in 66 games. He's on pace for 81 points in 66 games with the exact same amount of goals right now. That's funny. Talk about statistic coincidences, right? Yeah, no kidding. So maybe you were hoping to see a bit more of a jump from him, but uh, again, he's still a a young player, still 18 years old. He's still going to have an opportunity to come back and play, you know, on this team next season as a 19 year old. And and that's the kind of season where, uh, you know, maybe he makes a bit more, you know, takes that next jump puts up 50 plus goals and has a shot to maybe make team Canada at the world juniors. Yeah. Plus we said like with, uh, I almost said medicine hat it's moose jaw. Plus with moose jaw being like, let's be honest, being dog shit this year. Like they've only got five guys with more than 40 points as a junior team. If you want to be successful, that ain't going to do it. They've only got seven guys with more than 20 points. Like, yeah, holy shit. so so, so for help. a team that is struggling to score, he's putting up some pretty nice stats. Yeah, it's him and draft prospect Braden Yeager just lighting it up over there. Yeah, and uh, again, that's another player who's going to be on that team next season and another highly touted prospect for this year. So creating some chemistry right now and doing that next year is going to be huge. Yeah, maybe they'll both have a uh, good shot at Team Canada, play together on a line. Oh, I like that. I like the thought of that happening. Uh, Durham, Mm. who do we got next? Well, for the last league we got here, we got the OHL. And holy shit, there's a lot of them. But we're going to start with the leading scorer in all of Seattle prospects. And that's probably not who you think it is. Tucker Robertson. He's leading the Peterborough Peets in goals, assists, and points. He's top 10 in the entire OHL for all three of those categories as well. And the only thing is, even with all that firepower, Peterborough's not doing so great. So they're kind of looking like a quick knockout in the playoffs. Yeah, and this one comes in as a bit of a shock, just knowing that he's leading all prospects down in uh, across the CHL in points. But, you know, this was a guy who was drafted as an overager in the fourth round this, this past year, uh, 123rd overall, and someone we haven't really talked about on this podcast yet. But my goodness, Durham, he really is putting up the points right now. What's funny, too, is he's actually the exact same as Fergus in terms of his projected goals for the year is the same total as what he finished with last season of 41. He's just going to rack up a couple more assists this year. He's going to almost break the hundred point barrier. I'm not quite sure if we'll get there, but still a guy putting the puck in the net consistently. 
Yeah, and uh, I think he does have a good shot to break that point barrier. Just just looking at his last 10 games, he's got 19 points in those last 10 games, so he is humming lately. Yeah, that will probably do it. Mm-hmm. And keep going at two points a game. This is going to be an, an interesting one. Uh, I'm not sure if he makes the jump right to the AHL. I think this might be a player who maybe starts off in an ECHL role next season. Well, because he'll be 20, right? So he can go back to junior next year. That's very true. Yeah. You're allowed three 20 year olds. Yeah. That'll be interesting to watch to see uh, what happens, how that plays out. Might not be the worst thing for him. We'll, we'll see how things go, but uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be one of those ones where you kind of watch as where the team thinks going to be best for him. Cause like you say, I don't think he's going to be AHL ready. So you're probably looking at this is something they might go to him with too and be, hey, do you want to go back for your OA year to Peterborough or do you want to play in the East Coast for the year? Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, that's going to be a decision on him, right? I mean, if you you hit the 100-point mark this year, the year before you had 81 points, does he want to keep on getting confidence and playing against these younger players or step into that ECHL role? I think – Personally, I think that could be the better fit, but uh, we'll see how things play out. Oh, I would definitely go back from my overage year if it was me. (laughs) I'd be like, I'm not riding a bus for 14 hours across fucking Ontario to play someone for two hours and then bus home tonight. And then play three and three, just eating fucking hot dogs on a 12-hour road trip. Right. Why not play in the O for one more year, kick the shit out of it, and then play in the A? Yeah, the ECHL is a grind of a league, bro. The fucking people that do that deserve respect. Yeah, and they're doing it on like such a such minimum money too, just grinding it out for the chance to, you know, make that next step. Like a lot of them have fucking extra jobs. Mm-hmm. All right, next up on the list, uh, who do you got here? David Goyetti, we're going north to Sudbury, and he's all the offense Sudbury has. Seriously, it's him and Quinton Musty, and then fuck all. Goyetti's leading the team in almost every offensive category. He's right there with Robertson in league scoring as well. And because, like I said, Sudbury, all they've got is Goyetti and Musty. They ain't got shit for playoffs, and that's even if they get in. Yeah, the Sudbury continues to be a team that struggles hard, and I like this prospect, man. I, I think I think I got high hopes for David Goyetti and and what he could potentially do one day. Still only 18 years old, doesn't turn 19 until March. So once again, another player who's going to have a shot to uh, make the World Juniors, I think, for Team Canada next season. And it's not too bad. You put up 73 points on a pretty terrible team the year prior. Now you're on pace for 91 this year with a 43-goal pace, you know, what kind of step can he take next year, especially early on where he can make a presence and maybe get himself on that list of players who get invited to camp. Maybe he can get himself on a good team and then actually explode. And they'll be like, Holy shit, David is good. Yeah. I mean, you look at his stats all the way through when he played under 14 triple a all the way up through under 18 triple a. And yeah, this guy just puts up points wherever he plays. 153 points in 65 games in Bantam AAA. Yeah, how crazy is that? That's not bad, eh? 
That's only like fucking made up all, numbers. Dude. He had 104 assists in 65 games. They're not afraid to, to pass that puck around, eh? Yeah, I play pickup hockey too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a what a monster offensively. And that's just the type of player he is, right? Yeah, just shifty, trying to find space on the ice. Dynamic playmaker. Yeah, obviously he has the vision too. And it's not like he's a small guy out there, 5'11 right now. And, you know, 18 years old, you never know. Those guys can still hit a bit of a growth spurt around that age. And, and uh, you know, once he fills out, he'll have a bit more weight to him. But you got to like what you're seeing in this, uh, was it 2021 second round pick? Yeah, or, sorry, no, he was 22. Yeah, yeah, my bad. One of the 18,000 fucking second round picks they made. Yeah, 18,001, baby. And let's talk about another one of them. Actually, we're going to talk about one of the second-round picks, Ty Nelson and Kyle Jackson together because they play on the same team, and fuck it, they're both in North Bay. So Jackson and Nelson are both having the best offensive seasons they've had in their OHL careers. Obviously, Jackson's has been a full one. Nelson's a short career, who also actually, Ty Nelson, just had his first OHL hat trick like five or six days ago as a d right like good for him not to mention as a d leads the entire league in d goals and if it weren't for pavel mentiakov he would be the runaway winner for d man of the year in the o this year yeah insane what ty nelson is doing and uh you know they got him at such good value too like close to the end was or was it the start of the third round too where they picked up ty nelson i believe uh yeah he might have been right at the start of the third actually now that you're saying that to be honest 68th overall right yeah right at the start of the third and it was crazy that he slid down this far and and you you gotta you gotta know why i mean it happened with lane hudson who uh, probably should have been closer to a, a late first and and you're seeing again another undersized d who uh can can play a hell of a game but uh you know, it just scares GMs to take these undersized D and, and uh, I think Ty Nelson is going to be a, a hidden gem here and, and somebody who, uh, you know, comes out of nowhere. I mean, he's still only 18. Yeah. And with the under, whole undersized D thing, like there's hundreds of them up for the draft every year, right? The real tough part is trying to find the three in that draft that are going to make the NHL and not just make it for a few games, but like make it for a career. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So like you said, to get Nelson where we did, I think that's pretty good value. I think so too. I think this this might be one of those steel picks, uh, you know, after the first two rounds, of course, getting him in the third round there. And already has 19 goals this season. Right? Like, who the fuck does that as a D-man? Yeah, it's certainly super impressive. And, and you got to be super excited about this prospect here. Yeah, I mean, the guy's on pace for 25 goals. That. I mean, I know you don't want to just be a stat tracker that goes, oh, he put up numbers, he's good. But the, like you said, an undersized D-man, well, not really undersized, he's stocky, strong, but he's just 5'10". But puck-moving guy can pinch in, read the play well, and create offense like that. I don't know why that doesn't sound like at least a third-pair D. And And not only that, but this is a guy who's known, you know, based on uh you know what especially what elite prospect says about him and and uh all of that but this is a guy that 
he throws his body around and, and he, he lays some huge hits out there too. He's not afraid to do that. And like you said, that stockiness build that he has uh, allows him to still make those type of plays. Yeah. Something that's, I think is going to be desirable as a, if he's going to make it as a top four D. And not only that, but uh, you know, there's a lot to say about his motor out there and that this is a guy who, who can play heavy minutes in the game too. So he kind of, you know, he has the offense, but he, he seems like a really well-rounded defenseman. Yeah. And to be playing this much for a team already, that's going to be great for him to finish out his career the next couple of years there. Oh, big time, right? And again, this is a guy who's going to have a good shot, I think, next season at, uh, you know, making that World Juniors team. And I, I always bring this up, but it's just exciting, you know? You know you got some gems when they're when they're pushing to make those uh, those teams. I wouldn't know. I'm a Penguins fan. They'd never really get invited. <laughs> well, they trade them before... Uh, you know, That's or true. They, they trade the draft picks before they pick them, so... You watch. They're going to trade Pickering, and then he gets invited to Team Canada camp. And I'm be like, fuck me. <laughs> Could very well happen. But uh, moving on from, you know, Jackson and Nelson, got a couple more left. Yeah, two more left here. Obviously, we're going to save the big boy for last. Everyone knows who that is. We're going to hop on to Ryan Winterton here, who came back from another shoulder surgery there, missed most of the season, the first half there. But after injury, got traded to the Knights. And when coming back from that, he has been lighting it up all things considered, like 17 points in 17 games after missing five months, that's fine. He should enjoy a deep playoff run too. Yeah, and he's he's playing in a stacked London Knights team and not playing exactly at the very top of the lineup either. I think he's uh, he's on that second line, I believe, for this team. So still putting up and producing on a, on a very deep team. And uh, this is a guy who's missed a ton of hockey over the last two, three years. You know, COVID, his injury problems with the shoulder surgeries. So um, this is a guy who who may be a bit longer of a project, but still has all the capabilities to be an impact player. Yeah, like, especially when you talk about how much hockey he's missed. So in the last three seasons, three full seasons, he's got, let's see, that's 44, 54, plus six and two, 62 games played. 62 yeah. games played in three years. Yeah, that's like, brutal, right? Like that's just not going to do well for anybody's development. So the, for the fact that he's able to still produce at a point a game, you're hoping, hoping he's able to pick a few things up that he's missed over the last couple of years and become a productive professional player. Exactly. And maybe a guy you're, you're not uh, too worried about playing a, a 20 year old season back in the O again. And, and just, just to get those games back under his belt. Exactly. You're not going to send him back with a, hey, like, it's not like you're good enough. We're just sending you back so you can play. Exactly. And, uh, you know, this is a this is a guy who's on a team who could make a deep playoff run, you know, depending on who they run into. Well, the way it should work out based on how the OHL does their playoffs, it should be a Ryan Winterton versus Shane Wright. Western Conference Final when Shane Wright's playing for Windsor, and that's right. He's been doing exactly what you want of him in Windsor, fucking dominating almost every game. I think he's got 14 points in seven games, fought a little bit of a lower body injury there, but he's on one of the 
best teams in the league and currently the best team in the West. So he should have a real shot at a Mem Cup run here. Yeah, that's going to be the big thing is keeping an eye on, obviously, once he gets back playing and then once playoff rolls around, what kind of impact is he having for this team? And um, so far, it's he's looked nothing but fantastic for the Windsor Spitfires. So uh, you, you got to enjoy that. And you know what? Like, you could say what what you want about Shane Wright and, you know, maybe his development over the last little bit. But, you know, he went to the AHL. He produced real well. He went to the World Juniors. You know, he shined when it mattered the most. He was a point-per-game player there. And, you know, he stepped into this Windsor Spitfires team and and been a, you know, two-points-per-game style player. And and at the end of the day, you still have to like what you've seen out of Shane Wright. Yeah, and it doesn't go against what everyone said about him before he was drafted. Like, if everyone really paid attention, everyone that was worth their money as a scout said, yeah, he's probably not going to be like your dominant one, a centerman, but what you're going to get is a centerman. Who's not great at anything, but he's very good at everything. Yeah. If he had a strong suit, it, uh, it would be his shot, right? Yeah. That would be the best skill that he brings. Yeah. But like you said, just really good at everything. Yeah, he works hard. He's smart. Like his pace has gotten better. Like there's obviously, there's obviously that little bit of a, how hard are you? Like, do you have that next level when you've been a high prospect and you kind of fall off a little bit? And it's like, oh, what I've had before up till now is no longer enough. So can you hit that next step to push yourself ahead again? And mm-hmm. it's just going to be interesting to see how far that step could push him. Hundred percent, and looking forward to to seeing uh, you know how he does, and that that would be really cool if, if the if the Spitfires can go on that deep OHL run and and get themselves to a Mem Cup because you know moments like that uh, you could really really tell like what comes out of some of those prospects and what they're really made of, and I think that could be pretty special for a guy like Shane Wright who maybe hasn't had a lot of those big moments, still missed a lot of hockey too uh because of covid and the ohl never really got going so uh you know he had some big moments in the world juniors and that was fantastic but adding a mem cup to the same year could be another big confidence booster for the kid yeah that'd be something where he probably comes into seattle next year and it's like okay i'm ready to be the third center Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent, and i think he'd be ready to take that jump yeah i agree assuming everything goes well down the stretch here and kind of looks like it. Exactly. That, uh, that definitely wraps up the, the little prospect talk there, Durham, the squid squad. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I think that's the end of her there. That's all I got. Yeah, I think so too. Let's hope uh, we see some freaking victories coming up this week for the Kraken. Get us back in that uh, hunt for top spot in the division because uh, we certainly know they're capable of getting that done. Uh, uh, but yeah, other than that, just looking forward to it, man. Yeah, hoping to get a few more goals in the goddamn net. Yeah, let's start putting the biscuit in the basket, boys. Win a face-off for fuck's sake. Freaking get in front of the net, eh? Stuff the turkey. 
<laughs> but, that was good. All right. I could have kept going, but I fumbled up here. Uh, but that wraps up episode number 16. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to rate this episode five stars if you've enjoyed it. And stay tuned for episode number 17 when we talk about what big moves are coming before the deadline and what ones have already been made. And, of course, all things cracking. Uh, let's get the puck out of here, Durham. Cheers, everybody. Peace.